Welcome to all of our new supporters on Patreon. This is an independently produced show, written, researched, produced, edited, distributed, and promoted by us, Carolyn, Kristen, and Michelle, and paid for out of our own pockets because it's important to us. But you can help us pay the bills by clicking the Patreon link on our website, poppreservationist.com, or by going to our link in bio on Instagram and finding the Patreon link in our link tree. It's one of the best ways for you to tell us that you like what you hear so we can keep on trucking. Thank you and enjoy the show. I just have this image of maybe you and Rob at the roller skating disco or, you know, you were just saying you go roller skating. I thought, can you just imagine you guys like holding hands? Did you roll? <laughs> my <coast>? best fantasy. <laughs> I don't know if I went roller discoing with okay. him so much as I went with my girlfriends. Mm. Okay. We didn't, we went out a lot, but we also, we stayed in quite a bit. <laughs> okay. Well, leave this is the information I'm here for, <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> right. Hello, world. There's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who wish they had an Olsen's mercantile in their neighborhood so they could buy hard candy sticks or a thimble. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we're thrilled and honored to talk to Melissa Gilbert, one of our Gen X icons, about her incredible new book, Back to the Prairie, A Home Remade, A Life Rediscovered, which is all about how simplifying her life contributed to what she calls her graceful evolution, as well as a whole bunch of other fun stuff we didn't even know we needed to know. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. Here we go. Welcome to a very special episode of the Pop Culture Preservation Society, in which your Gen X co-hosts will speak actual words to one of our generation's most indelible icons. And I do not use that word lightly. And honestly, you guys, this is the part where I started to cry last night when I was writing this intro. <laughs> our guest today is Melissa Gilbert, star of stage and screen, a woman who took hold of our culture as a little girl when she played Laura Ingalls on NBC's Little House on the Prairie. Melissa is here today to talk about her new book called Back to the Prairie, A Home Remade, A Life Rediscovered. It's the story of Melissa's midlife transformation after relocating with her new husband from Hollywood to a dilapidated cabin slash cottage affectionately known as The Cabbage in upstate New York a place that taught her to assemble power tools, grow her own food, DIY a chicken coop, and literally make friends with the animals. It's like Little House meets HGTV meets Wonderful World of Disney. <laughs> Melissa Gilbert, it is with genuine Gen X glee that I welcome you to the Pop Culture Preservation Society. Yay! Oh, that is right. <laughs> Thank I, you for Gen being X, here. Gen X, we're the best. I think we're the best generation. I, oh, damn I, straight, right? I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I and I hear myself saying stuff like, "What's wrong with kids today?" Yeah, no, <laughs> <not like this. laughs> 
you know, and I never thought I'd hear myself say those things, but I get to now. I've yeah, I've, mm-hmm. earned You've earned my it. granny wings and stripes, and I'm oh, almost great. Yes, old. I can say anything I want. I love you as Nana. Can I just say? I mean, I Nana I like <laughs> Nana. Nana out. Is it, is Nana? it Nana or Nana? Nana? What do you like? It's to Nana, but oh, you it is Nana. Nana. Well, okay. Nana was just a little. It reminds me of Nana Visitor from oh, <laughs> Star oh. Trek. Um, <laughs> So I'm going to go with Nana. Nana my um, mom is my mom chose Yaya, and we're not Greek for her great grandma name. I was like, oh. "Why Yaya?" And she said, "Well, my friend Corinna Fields goes by Yaya." I said, "Yeah, but mother, she's legitimately Greek. <laughs> You're Jewish. You should be Bubby." It's like, "No, I don't want to be Bubby." So I like how they get to choose now. You yeah, I love your yeah, mom. It's great. Yeah. She's so So funny. before we begin, we need to get a little fangirling out of the way because as Gen X girls, we were the ones who made our mom stay up all night sewing sunbonnets so that our Halloween costumes would be real, right? <laughs> so we just need to let it all out for a second. Um, for me, I just need to make sure that both you and the greater world understand I know that you understand, but I need the people to understand the impact that you as a little girl had on an entire nation of little girls. We almost universally literally everybody ran down a hill with airplane arms. Like we all did it. And it was pure and good and healthy and fun. And you were there for the entirety of my childhood, the whole thing. You were literally growing up alongside me. And with this book, it's happening again. I see myself in your discoveries in the book. It's just like in 1977, we are growing up together. Oh, I love that. I love that. Now, if Michael Landon, may he rest, were alive today, he would tell you, like he told me, uh, half my, what were you doing when you were coming down the hill? And I said, I was being an airplane. He said, yeah, they didn't have them yet. So if anyone asks, (laughs) you're a bird. Oh, Oh, they're bird arms. Isn't that funny? And we all think airplane arms. And I never for a minute thought that was out of the question. I didn't either. No airplanes. In the I didn't either. My mm-hmm. sister used to trip me, though, so that I would be Carrie. Like, when we'd come running <laughs> down, she would trip me, so I would fall. <laughs> we had this big hill, and this. we had a farmhouse in Oregon, and when we when, when we play a little house on the prairie and would come running, she would, like, either push me or trip me, so. <laughs> oh, well, I, I can, get it. Um, I just want to follow up a little bit with um, from what Kristen said, with tears in my eyes from how she started, because... Um, at this moment, uh, my 10-year-old self is inhabiting my 56-year-old body. It is this moment of um, this togetherness that I'm so grateful for because I get to tell 10-year-old self, you are going to talk to Laura, Melissa, and you're going to have just as much, as Kristen said, in common with her as you do now as a 10-year-old, as you will when you're 56. She's going to be experiencing some of the same things. And... um it's just a pretty incredible, obviously emotional moment for me um, right now because you were an indelible part of my growing up, of my family um, life, of just being together. And they're all such warm memories and we're so grateful. And 10-year-old Carolyn is eternally grateful that you're taking the time to be with us today. So thank you. Gosh. Um, first of all, my face hurts from smiling. My, my, I can't smile this much. It's actually probably really good for lifting. Oh, that's That's true. Let's smile a bunch. Toning the jowls. 
I yes, wish exactly. I had something original to add, but I don't. Um, I was born in 1969. So as a little girl in the mid-70s and in the late 70s and as a little sister, um, Laura, I just connected with Laura so much. I mean, I pretended to be Laura all the time. I think until maybe like 1998, 99. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wasn't doing but the math on that. Maybe <laughs> until like 1980. Um but Little House on the Prairie was such of I think of any show, it was the most defining show of my childhood. And I just really wanted to thank you um, for all of the joy that you brought to me through Laura and have continued to bring me um, in the memories just for decades. So thank you. Um, thank you. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, but thank you for that because it was really impactful. Um so we want to talk, obviously, about your new book. So exciting. Um, and it's, um, like Kristen said, Back to the Prairie. And your book has an overarching theme of evolution, uh, graceful evolution, as you call it. And that really, really speaks to us. Um, right now, all of us and our age mates, the younger boomers uh, and the older Gen Xers, are experiencing this new chapter in our lives. And we're evolving into selves that are less frantic, more patient, more self-aware, and less caring about what other people think, right? Like, take no shits and give no fucks, right? I mean, that's sort of our mantra. 100%. I tell people all the time, I am this age, I've earned my opinions. So don't Mm -hmm. start with me. (laughs) Right. Right. Stand back. Don't clap. Yes, but... One of the things uh, you talk about in your book is that you went through a physical evolution and transformation as well. We were loving all the references to your joy <laughs> at once again having a forehead that moved. Um, <laughs> because we think people underestimate, at least the three of us think people underestimate how much fun it is to be able to have an expression, right? Like, I'm angry. <laughs> no, I'm surprised. <laughs> yes. It's a big deal. It's important to, to, for just socially, for people to understand what the heck is going on with you. And now, you know, we spent all that time with masks on and we probably will have to go back to them again a little bit at some point. We got to have, be able to move that or no one's going to know what the heck's going on with us. <laughs> right. Oh God, that's a really good point. It's Yeah. True. We see everything with our eyes right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've been got to raise so hard since yeah. COVID started that I feel like I've accelerated mm-hmm. the crow's feet. Whatever. Well, laugh lines. Mine are so deep right here, but I think, how will people know when I'm worried? They'll just think <laughs> I'm always neutral if I, <laughs> but anyway, for decades though, you tell us in your book um, that for decades, you admit you were consumed with your appearance and fighting the aging process, Botox, plastic surgery, the fiery red hair, et cetera, et cetera. And this aging process is something that's a real struggle. I mean, it's something the three of us ruminate about daily with each other. <laughs> um, but in your book, you say this, I don't feel aging is a bad thing as much as it is a dire underestimation of what's still possible of who I am. So can you tell us what you meant by that and how coming to that realization has freed you? I think that... Unfortunately, in society, as we age, we become more and more invisible or less visible. We're not Mm -hmm. as shiny and sparkly and bright and all of that. So people tend to just discount us as, oh, she's a cute older woman. Or she, (laughs) remember the time when she looked like X? She doesn't look like that anymore. 
And it's just like the, I think part of what people are thinking too, is that, well, you know, our bloom is fading, our looks or whatever. Not, I don't think there are looks fade, but our bloom is fading. Therefore, everything else is going with it. The opposite is happening. Everything is blossoming and growing even more internally. I, I was just saying to someone, I don't have time for tiny things. I don't have time for <laughs> tiny talk. I don't have time for hovering at cocktail parties. I don't have time to worry about what I look like. I don't have time to go to the dermatologist for the injections. I don't have time to not be who I am in this moment. This is the last third of my life. I'm going to relax and enjoy it. Amen. I I so agree with that because I have never had more agency than I do now in my Mm -hmm. 50s. I've never had as much confidence as I do in my 50s. I've never accomplished as much as I have in my 50s. Absolutely. It's so the word underestimation, when you said that, just really hit me hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And plus, for any advertisers out there, who are the spenders? Oh, yeah, right. No doubt. Hi. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're now finally not having to budget for kids and school yep. and, yeah, we're going to spend. So maybe you mm-hmm. could make clothes in our size. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Speaking of that, one of my favorite lines in your book is, I still look cute in overalls because the three Mm -hmm. of us talk about that all the time. We're just going to live in overalls for the rest of our lives because we love them. I love how you say of what's still possible. That's something that we're finding too. Just because we're all in our fifties, we still are evolved. We still don't even know the things we can do. Right. And it's changing all the time. Every month, every, especially with our podcast, but every, every year we're sort of like gobsmacked by what we're doing now. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's like, don't discount us. Don't count us out yet, you know? Yeah, no, I'm not d- nowhere near done. And I have all these things ahead that are, yeah. you know, yeah. bubbling and brewing that could be extraordinary opportunities and, and different different um, directions my career can go. And so I don't feel like I'm anywhere mm-hmm. near yeah, nowhere no. near done. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, I got I get too much to do and too much to say. And also I I'm still, you know, I love learning new things. In my particular world right now it's different kinds of crafts like I picked up knitting during the pandemic and mm-hmm. I'm still knitting. Now I've started cross stitch embroidery oh. and you know little and then pottery is coming up and so there's little things like that, but these are things I've always wanted to do, but I've never had the time right. to really mm-hmm. do that. And the other thing that um if just me personally that I'm really uh, grateful about and excited about is that, you know, as we age, our body starts to, you get your ankles are a little sore in the morning. And, you know, I spend a little more time in front of the magnifying mirror, the 20 times mirror, so I can actually see the whiskers on my chin. Yes, I was about to say plucking, <laughs> plucking, plucking. 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 Me too, yeah. There's no hair on my legs. But it's all. <laughs> Um, or anywhere else, actually. Which is fine. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. But, yeah. you know, I mean, whatever it is, this is the first time in a very, very long time in my life where I haven't been dealing with chronic pain because oh, I finally gosh. had that gorgeous, perfect neck surgery in November of 2020 that fixed all of that for me. So I don't, I'm not suffering. And so for me, at I'll be I'm 58 years old. Um, I've never felt better. Yeah. So I'm actually coming at it from a completely different place. I don't feel like my body's betraying me at all. It's just, you know, it's a little squishier, but it's it's stronger than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And I have no pain. 
I feel that way too. I didn't even have to have back surgery to feel that way, but my body, especially since COVID and menopause and everything is squishier. And I like to just say softer than it was before, Mm -hmm. but I have never really had so much desire and energy to be outside and to be active and to hike and kayak and, you know, jump off the boat into the lake and do all these things, um, go for long bike rides. And so for that reason, I kind of, it's easier to to not really care as much about, oh, the body squishy, the wrinkles, the whatever, because I feel great. And I love, and we all love what we're doing. And that, that kind of happiness and personal fulfillment absolutely changes then, um, how you look at things, I think too. You're, yeah, you're, I've discovered you're another honest. form of exercise that I absolutely love. And it's just the spontaneous personal dance party. Oh, hello. Yes. We love it. Mm -hmm. I used to do it when I was a kid. I used to dance Mm -hmm. around my room all the time and it's been so long. And I finally gave myself permission to have spontaneous personal dance parties. So I'll just throw on some Donna Summer, baby. (gasps) Yeah. I'm working hard for the Let's dance. Exactly. Let's dance. How about her remake of MacArthur Park, which she called MacArthur's (gasps) Park? She put an S on it. There's no S. Oh, there's no S on it? No. No. I have two copies of that album. That's what happens when you really like an album. You accidentally buy it twice. And also, (laughs) hello, uh, her and Barbara Streisand on No More Tears. (gasps) Enough is enough. enough This happens a lot on our podcast. Yeah. I love it. Uh, Carolyn will pop some of that music in right there, too. That would be awesome. I don't know. I might, but I I like us You never know. We kind of like us singing it. Okay. So uh, as you know... as you know, we are big fans of your husband. We're all still a little bit embarrassed by our reactions when he popped on and said hello to us a few months ago. Um, we scared him, I'm sure. Um, but then you guys, I got a hug from him two days later. Wait, My whole tell family the people did. who her husband is. Oh, well, Timothy Busfield. Please. I mean, yeah. we, we, we are huge Elliot fans. Um, Elliot Weston and, um, from 30 something, but also he was in Revenge of the Nerds. He's produced and West directed Wing. a million things, the West Wing. Yeah. And he is, I feel like Field he's probably dreams. consistently Sorry. been directing, <laughs> acting or producing probably since 30 something, it would seem because his yes. name, if I don't see him in a show I'm watching, it's not odd to see his name pop up as a director, a producer. So it was thrilling for us to see him. Um, We will be doing um, an episode on 30-something one day because it was absolutely defining for all of us in our um, college and our young adult lives. Um, You know, before 30-something, he was um, on Trapper John. He took over for Gregory Harrison. Oh, that's right. And before that, he was on Family Ties. He was Alex P. Keaton's best friend. Okay, that's one of my favorite shows, and now I'm going to have to go back and watch because I bet I'm not recognizing him. He was his friend who got married. Chip? Chipper. Hmm. Chipper. Well, Skip, Skippy was his was at when well, um, his best friend, but that's not that wasn't him. No. But okay, that is a very good fun fact. Thank you. Um, but anyway, um, Timothy or Timmy, as we um, feel like we can now call him from. <laughs> Obviously from meeting him, but also from your book. He is an enormous part of your story. Um, And in his touching and heartfelt intro, he says, this book will help you see the transition from what she, Melissa, felt people wanted her to be and what she thought she needed to be to the amazing person she knew she was and is. So can you tell us the role he played in your evolution these past nine years? Oh, my Lord. Uh, it's uh, How much time do we have? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can we talk for a week? Um, yeah. He 
has a hundred percent not only allowed me to be who I am, but encouraged me to whatever I say, he's very encouraging. But when I said, I think I want to, I, I, the biggest, the biggest example of that was when we were first together and I, I still had my implants in my breast implants in. And I said to him, I really, really, really want to get these taken out forever. And he said, let's do it. Let's go. God, let's awesome. find a doctor. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And I said, well, I found a doctor in Santa Monica, but it's like a year-long process and it's so expensive. He went, nope, 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 nope. We're going to go to the U of M. We're going to find the head of plastic surgery. We're going to take care of this. And I mean, within a, six months, I was done with the surgery and recovering and it was over. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. His, his um, adoration and love for who I am, no matter what I wear, no matter what I look like, whether my hair is long, short, gray, green. <laughs> um, uh, he, he prefers me to be me. And okay. that is a very big deal, especially for someone who tended to choose men who tried to change me all the time mm-hmm. and didn't oh, wow. appreciate or, were so intimidated that I had to play down everything I I did or was about. Um, Tim is the opposite. He's also incredibly encouraging and encourages me to take chances and to do things that I wouldn't do before and constantly tells me there's nothing I can't do. Mm-hmm. So um, he's um, he's been a tremendous support and partner, um, but really, really, really... Um, help me find the way to this place that I'm at now in my own self and let me fly, which is a big, 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 big deal. Yeah. It's beyond life changing. It it's literally life changing. So and proud of me. Yeah. He's proud of me. And I, I, I love that. Yeah. What a gift. I must say I have a crush on your marriage. Right. <laughs> he's so enthusiastic too. He's just, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, listeners just, you, everything Melissa just said, you get that feeling tenfold if yeah. by reading her book, um, mm-hmm. it really is, it's the story of your evolution, but it's a love letter to your marriage too, because yeah, you yeah. really see, it really illustrates your partnership and your mutual respect and encouragement of each other so well. Yeah, I think I think one of what I was just going to say too when you said partnership, I, and I was nodding like so <laughs> frenetically, is that this is the first time in either of our lives that we've actually had that in oh. a marriage, in a relationship, a real and true partnership where we work together, we do business stuff together, we make mm-hmm. every decision together, we did the house together, mm-hmm. we um, we support each other, we decide who's going to do what, when, if a job comes in or an offer comes in, we talk it out and try and figure out you know, who's going to go where and what's the best. And we actually, um, there is nobody around us at all, period, full stop, whose opinions we value more than one another's. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we're really, wow. we really are partners in that. Now, all of that said, we've had some fantastic fights. Oh, yeah. You have to. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing that you guys survived redoing or renovating the cabbage. That's a testament we to We never thought about right that. Wow. We never <laughs> fought about that. We never fought we never fought over any singular design decision or anything to do with the house. One time I I 
I overstepped and did a bunch of like decal flowers in one room and he came in and he went, I wish you'd ask. And I was like, no, they fell right off. Just for fun. Um, uh, yeah, no. Um, but generally speaking, I will say that when we do fight, it usually ends with us bursting into laughter. And I think the last big fight we had, um, it ended when I turned to him and said, will you please just get up off my dick? And he fell on the ground. And that's what I started laughing. And then by the time we finished laughing, we were like, what are we fighting about? <laughs> oh, gosh, that's great. And I got to say, one of um, my favorite pieces of advice that um, Timmy shares, you um, quote him as saying, um, eat first, worry later. And I want to get that emblazoned on a t-shirt or something because I have discovered, Melissa, thanks to you and your inspiring words of trying new things, I've decided to dabble a little bit in the kitchen because that's not been my groove before, I know. And so much so that yesterday I, of course, read the cookbook or read the book, which is has some great recipes in it. Mm-hmm. One of those being ginger snap pumpkin pie. I went to the store, bought all the ingredients, and look what we did. I made <laughs> ginger snap pumpkin pie mm. and oh, delivered Carolyn, it. We're going to taste it right now. We drove to her mm. house this morning to I get told some. Them, do not go. make a, fa- a face because I'm <laughs> learning. The crust—you kind of have to. You have to. You might even have to kind of morph the. The recipe is not a hundred percent. The crust's a little small. I usually double that, just oh. so I have extra thick crust. Carolyn's that I like, like thanks oh, yeah. for telling me now. <laughs> Sorry, but here's well, it's Melissa. Same flavor. It's good. It's really it's good, good Carolyn and Melissa. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. Well, um, we wish we like, had some for you. Yeah, it's okay. Sorry. Really, trust me. It's fine. I'm loving watching you guys eat it. And I'm so proud of you, Carolyn. Well, you should be. (laughs) I am. I'm proud of you. That's a big thing. Of all the things in the book, of all the recipes that are in there, not a lot, you chose that instead of, like, the tomato sandwich. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh-huh. I would have chosen that in the summer, but I figured I wasn't going to get the right kind of tomatoes right now. But I can tell you that my family will sit down to a dinner of spaghetti pie this evening. Mm, I'm making that. I am and making that. That was that's so good. a goodie. That is a mm-hmm. goodie. As my friends called it during the lockdown, because we all had recipes we were sharing, and that one mm-hmm. went out to a bunch of friends. So some of my friends called it stupid pie. <laughs> because you guys yes. always said it's so like stupid. that was a good that was a good it's stupid yeah it's so, so good, good. it's stupid good yeah I love yeah. that that's stupid exactly pie. right well we really um after reading it and the three of us talking kind of speaks to the book speaks to this kind of garden of your new life like the um kind of really truly coming back to the prairie mm-hmm. growing your food raising chickens cooking <laughs> and canning And I was really struck with the role that food played in your story Um, from preparing the soil. I mean, you talked about learning about the soil and then picking the right seeds and nurturing those plants and harvesting them. And the descriptions you had when you bit the, you know, you tasted those green beans. It was like you were in heaven. Heaven. Um, And that I was Googling last night. I've got some raised bed kits that are going to be coming our way. So I did you order, Carolyn? I am. I'm going to start a vegetable garden. We'll see what happens. But can you tell me a little bit more about just that element of food in your um, story, how that was part of your journey and informed your evolution? You know, I've always, I I love, love 
love the ritual of meals. I loved that growing up, I loved family meals. I loved cooking for my family when I was a kid. I would make up a meal for no apparent reason. And, you know, or just, I started out when I was about 12 making quesadillas for everyone because it was the <laughs> easiest thing that was yeah. in my house. So easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just sort of grew from there and then became, you know, baking a whole cheesecake and then making brunches and then making omelets and then blah, 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 blah. And I just love so much the ritual of cooking. And I think that um, what happened is after when COVID hit and we all locked down, you know, we made the decision to have the gardens and the chickens, which we had been talking about doing for the longest time anyway. And that was sort of the, you know, when people started panicking about toilet paper, that's when we looked at each other and went, yeah, time, this might be the time to do the garden and the chicken thing because we don't know. We didn't know where right. we were going. Right. We didn't know that, you know, they were talking about the su- food supply chain breaking down and the all of the meat packing plants were full of COVID and they were shutting right. down and right. people were freaked out about toilet paper. Mm-hmm. And like I said, so we decided to move forward with that. And I have to tell you, I... You know, I was really nervous, not so much about the chickens as I was about the garden because I can't, I'd never grown anything. Everything I planted died. I killed ivy. I killed, (laughs) I killed ice plant. I killed bougainvillea and, and oleander, which are supposed to kill me. I, (laughs) I, 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 it's amazing. And so when I planted this garden, not knowing what I was doing, by the way, I planted everything a little too close together. So a lot of my produce was smallish, but some of the Mm -hmm. stuff that I, gave space, like the green beans, like they, they flourished in the soil up here and the air and the, of course, I grew up in Southern California. There's no water. Right. Mm-hmm. There's right. no rain. There's no water. It's a desert. LA's a desert. So of course, nothing's supposed to grow there except for cactus and, and, um, uh, drought plants. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I come up here and I build these raised beds and I put the seeds in and the next thing you know, green things are sprouting. And the green things sprouted red things that green flower. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't know anything. I didn't know that tomatoes and zucchinis come from a flower, that the plant flowers first and then they fruit. Um, I I didn't know the same thing with the beans, the pole beans. Mm-hmm. And um, when the first batch of pole beans came in and they were growing on their trellis and they were really beautiful. And I went out there and I just grabbed one thinking this is going to, you know, if you've ever eaten a raw green green bean it's not great but i thought i'm just gonna try it so i poured a little water on it had a water bottle with me and i took a bite and i my eyes rolled up in my head that's what and it's in the book i called timmy and you have got to you have to taste this it tasted like candy like butter like i I don't even know it didn't have that super green store-bought like overly processed weird genetically modified i don't even know what that it's is like it a plasticky was, taste it's like it's been too yeah it's been too over processed or something i don't know right or something or overthought it's yeah, just the flavor <laughs> like, yeah, that flavor gets sucked out somewhere in, in all the yeah. plants and all the production so my green beans were like oh my god they were so good and then i was sitting outside at one point i was sitting on the back steps you can't you can't see my whole body but i, I was wearing a dress like i am wearing now which is kind of like a very prairie kind of big mm-hmm. floral dress mm-hmm. And I was sitting on the step with the bowl in here, and I had the bowl of green beans with water, and I was snapping the ends and snapping the green beans and putting them in a bowl to make them for later. And I thought, I've just turned into Ma. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was one of her activities yes, on Little House. All yeah. the time she snapped the green beans and put them in yep. a bowl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Life yeah. is full circle. When life, yeah, oh, life imitating mm-hmm. art for sure. I thought that so yep. much when I was reading the book. Just all the things you were doing. I was like, and that's obviously listeners. It's called Back to the Prairie for a reason. Um, but yeah, I thought that must have been just kind of a weird, bizarre moment for you. Going out and, and bringing in, it started out as kind of a weird thing and very, you know, I am back on the set. and But mm-hmm. these were real. Nobody mm-hmm. attached them to the bushes for me. Right. Um, <laughs> And after a while, it just became, let's go get something from the garden and make a salad. Let's go. You want to do you want a tomato sandwich? Let's go pick some tomatoes. Do you look, the strawberries just came in. Let's try to eat these strawberries before something gets right. to them. And it just, it became second nature. And then the garden got so abundant. I had to start canning. Yeah. So I did. I figured it out. We figured it out. Just like mm-hmm. we figured out how to build the garden and build the chicken coop and all that. Tim went on YouTube and, you know, we, I call the guys that he watches his boyfriends. So he went on and watched <laughs> boyfriends and learned how to do it, told me how we were going to do it. And we did it. Same thing with the garden. Yeah. Same exact well, I, thing. I, I love that lesson went, okay. of learning how to do stuff and not being afraid to mess it up. I mean, you know, like you were willing to take the chance. You had the courage, all of those things. I really think that there was a metaphor for this part of our lives in the way you described the garden and the food. I mean, just the patience. It used to be you would go to the store and there would be green beans. Well, now you had to plant them. You had to nurture them. You had to be wait for them to do their thing. Mm -hmm. But then you got this incredible reward um, at the end. And I want to read to you, and I didn't want to mess it up, so I'm going to read exactly what you wrote, because I thought this summed up everything so beautifully. Um, it's at the end of a chapter, and you're talking about... Oh, wait, uh, Carolyn, show uh, her your book. Show her your book with oh, all the post-its in it. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good gravy. Isn't yeah. that great? It's needless, like 100 post-its. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to miss a thing, needless to say. When I said That's it how made Carolyn, a point. You're looking at Carolyn's brain right now, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it all post-it notes? Because that's what my mine is too. It's all post-it notes. Yeah. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want to forget anything. And I'm always fearful I'm going to forget. And like I said, this really impacted me. And um, you're talking about when you decide to make chicken. And I wanted to look this up before I was going to say it. How do I pronounce it? Chicken tikka masala? Chicken tikka masala. Chicken tikka masala. Oh, okay. I was close. See, I don't cook that much, guys. Remember? Okay. <laughs> And um, so you decided to make that and you got out a 32-ounce jar of the tomatoes that you had canned two months earlier. And you said this was the first jar that I opened. Either it was going to be simple pleasure or you were going to need to have courage. And this is what you said. Um, So you open it up and you said, as I breathed in the gorgeous aroma of those tomatoes, the tomatoes I had planted, nurtured, picked, and prepared, I realized that I was, in fact, breathing in everything that happened in my life. I was breathing in everything that had led me to that moment. And that moment was exactly sublimely perfect. Oh. Uh, Goosebumps I have the chills all reading over it. my body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That it's really profound. Yeah. Oh, I just think that summarizes it all. It really does. And it's this journey. It's not this one thing, how you spelled out you know, all the steps that you got, that it took to get to that can of tomato or uh, tomatoes and opening it up. And then what that um, aroma and breathing in um, did. And so, um, yeah, that, that just really 
impacted me. Well, thanks. And it's true. It's, it is, you know, this is yet another, all of the things that I wrote in the book that I did and tried to do too during lockdown and the beginning of COVID when we were all isolated and stuff, um, again, was that, um, that dire underestimation that, you know, where we're just going to shrivel up and do nothing. I started experimenting, doing everything I could. I started studying Italian, didn't stick. I decided I wanted to learn to play the ukulele, didn't stick. I made mosaics and I really enjoyed it. It's labor intensive and I Mm -hmm. don't like working with grout, which is what you basically have to do after you do Mm -hmm. the mosaics. But I did it and now I can say I did it. Knitting stuck. And cooking, 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 cooking. But mm-hmm. I've been, like I said, I've been cooking for years. And, you know, I, I mean, we we lost our minds. <laughs> we lost our damn minds with food. We had literal fry day with the deep fryer on Fridays. Right. I oh, ate, and the fried ate, chicken, it sounds so good. Yes. Oh, the fried chicken is, was divine. We ate fish sticks one weekend. <laughs> I nice. ate a bologna sandwich on white bread with mayo. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very retro. And shredded iceberg lettuce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to go back to my childhood. It was during a particularly rough yep. day. I was really nervous about COVID and 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 social unrest and all the stuff going on in the country. And I just had to have a bologna sandwich on white bread with mayo and lettuce mm-hmm. and lazy potato chips in the sandwich. Yes. Oh, not and I not the Trader with- Joe's chips because I love those Trader Joe's chips too. All so those stuffing flavors. Oh, potato chips. Yeah. chips. They do them. not go in a sandwich. They live oh, okay. in a league of their they own. That's a meal. That's a meal. That is, yeah. that's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's its own whole world. In fact, this last winter, I had been talking about them again, and a bunch of people gave me bags of them as gifts. So I had. Oh, God. oh wow. I'm going to look for them this flavor. fall. I, yeah, we'll see what Trader Joe's, if they read it this year. I'm <laughs> yeah, like, they should get a box. there was a little bit of product placement in there. There's like wishful thinking. I think I'll write about my La Mer cream. Because maybe yeah. that, <laughs> that would help my pocketbook. Send Melissa some La Mer. Yes. <laughs> and tell her how to use it. Please right. tell her how to use it. Because you're not supposed to wipe it on your face with a lot of soot. Right, yeah. right. Oh, yeah. That. We'll, we'll link it in, in the, the show notes. Yeah. And maybe they'll send mm-hmm. us some too. Right. Okay. okay yeah, I want to go back to the um, to the part where you said you needed to go back to when you felt like a little girl. Um, Caroline, Michelle, I'm speeding forward a little bit. That's yeah. um, there was a there's a story that I want you to share quickly before we get to our very special interview. Um, it was both super entertaining, but it was also very validating to me. And I want you to share it with people. And at the end of this event, you say, I was half pint again. Actually, I had never stopped being half pint. And not only does that make me so happy, but it's a good reminder for me to seek out my authentic self and lean into it. And often that authentic self is the person that I was when I was a little girl, because that's when we were best at listening to our hearts, mm-hmm. right? And the, mm-hmm. so this is kind of what we've discovered with this silly podcast is that those little people still live inside of us and they need to be celebrated because they kind of had it figured out better yeah. than we do. They were able to be authentic in a way that we never could have been as adolescents or young women or even aging women. So maybe we all need to unearth our inner half pint, our inner <laughs> nine-year-old, so that we can truly be free. So can you share a little bit about that story, the one that made you think, I am half pint? Um, I, n- nothing brought me more joy as a kid than animals. I just loved being around any animal. I didn't care what it was. 
um, whether it was a, a mole, a little mole from underground that I rescued once, um, to my stepsister's hamsters, to the horses on the set and the cows and the chickens and our dog. And I, I just, I would go to the zoo and, you know, I very rarely, I'm not much of a string puller, although I pulled all strings for my kids. Like I, I took them behind the scenes of everything I possibly could. <laughs> of course. I'm able to, yeah. but as, as a kid myself, I, I didn't really do that. But if we went to the zoo, I would definitely have a publicist call ahead so I could go behind the scenes and hold the baby this and go see the actual and give a bottle to a giraffe because th that stuff is irresistible to me. So when the deer started coming around my yard, I was just immediately enchanted. And I mean, Tim said I turned into, you know, a nine-year-old skipping in the backyard and I have uh, barrels of deer corn for them and I have apples and I have corn corn. Um, and they really come around in the winter because I feed them in the winter, which you're not supposed to do, but try stopping me. Um, <laughs> and this one little deer and I really connected with each other. And she, and I, I don't think it was little, it wasn't the injured deer, but she and I really connected too. This was, mm -hmm. that was in later, but the first deer that I actually got to eat out of my hand, um, was just, I mean, I was bouncing around like I did when I was nine. I was like, you know, bouncing like Tigger on my tail. <laughs> I was so happy that I was able to do this. And it just, it meant the world to me. And it was the most, I wasn't afraid. I wasn't, I was just, I felt so in my skin at that mm -hmm. moment. I felt like I was my authentic self, that that's who I really am, is that nine-year-old girl who's just still looking at the world with such wonder, my God, a deer just ate out of my hand in my front yard. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's so, And it just speaks to how we can't discount those little people. They knew things that we have been ignoring for so long because we're paying attention to all the noise. We're paying, we're paying attention to the other people out there instead of the little people who didn't give a shit about what those people out there said. No, and mm -hmm. the little people who are inside of us are the, the most pure and They're the most, most absolutely. pure. Yes. Absolutely ready to go. That's yeah. that's who you are at your essence, I think, is who mm -hmm. you know who we were when we were little girls. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. I think it's time for our very special interview. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a very important piece face. of journalism here. Um <laughs> this is the dynamite cover from March of 1982. <laughs> On the cover, it says Melissa Gilbert all grown up, and she's not in prairie dresses. She's got a little chiffon number that shows her decollete. <laughs> She's got lovely feathered hair and a big floppy bridesmaid hat on. And so what we thought we would do is we would go through this interview and we would ask you the questions that Dynamite asked you in 1982 okay. when you were 17 years old. And so you can answer them for us now and we'll see how they compare. You can like what you can tell us what the answer would have been when you were 17. And we'll see if you were lying or not. Actually, yeah, Dynamite could have written these answers for all we know. Or how yeah, you right? how you I think don't know. You Let's see. Right. We'll find out. Okay, so the, the story opens. With, it says, a little house in the valley. Melissa opened the door of her home in the San Fernando Valley of California. Hi, she said. Let's go into the den. <laughs> and then Dynamite asks you. Dynamite says, Melissa, what do you enjoy doing when you're not working? I probably said. Do you want me to tell you what I probably said? Yeah, yeah tell yeah. us what you probably, probably said. I probably said, I enjoy going to dance class. I enjoy hanging out with my friends, maybe. I enjoy babysitting my sister, which is probably 
not 100% true, but something I would like to say to make us look good. We were wondering um, that. How much mm-hmm. of these answers were your publicist telling you how to, or, or right, dynamite fixing them? When we say publicist, we mean mom. Okay. Um, oh. mm-hmm. uh, even though I had a publicist too, and a manager, and my my, my mom. Um, okay. Let's see, what else would I have said? I enjoy cooking, and I love to swim. <sighs> Oh, you are a very well-rounded teenager. Mm-hmm. This is what you said in Dynamite. This is what Dynamite Melissa said. What did I say? I love to go horseback riding. In fact, I'm going riding with some friends this afternoon. My favorite stable is way out in Ventura County. Way, way out. No one knows where it is. <laughs> Not even me. It's a yeah. secret. It's a secret. Right. <laughs> way, way out in Ventura County. Yeah. I must have been riding on the set. But did oh, it, that oh, could be. maybe. But okay, correct me if I'm wrong. When we were doing our research for our Battle of the Network Stars episode back last summer, <laughs> you show up quite a bit. <laughs> yes, and Howard Cosell is, well, we love you because you're like 14 years old in it. And actually, one of the kayak races I was watching, <laughs> you like kick ass because all these giant men are trying to maneuver that little kayak. You have the best form. And I actually say it in the episode. I'm like, 14-year-old Melissa Gilbert jumps in like on her knees and is like, she's got technique. You know, you've got like Barney Miller who's trying to like get the giant kayak. And also, in all fairness, Robert Conrad sent a kayak to my house with a trainer. You looked practiced. Yes. You you knew what you were doing. Whereas Ed Asner had no idea. No, but you guys, this is such good intel. We all wondered. We said, we actually said, Melissa, we said, you know what? If we were on Battle of the Network Stars, we know we would be someone who probably has a pool. We would get a kayak in our pool and practice that. <laughs> Just go to Kamer and get a kayak. But anyway, you know, there's, also, Cos- there's, a, there's another secret I'm going to share. I'm going to let you tell the Howard Cosell story, but I'm just going to show this one little yeah, tidbit yeah. with you, too. In the obstacle course, there's a trick, too. Um, you know, when you get to the monkey bars, you have to mm-hmm. touch the first, the middle, and the last. Yes. Yeah. So the best way to do that is jump to the top of the podium, run to the top of the podium. Touch the first bar, jump to the middle, and use the momentum to just tap the end bar on your way down. Oh, yeah. That's always controversial, whether someone actually taps that last bar or not. Well, well, Christy Mc- they're having such a hard time, so you've got to tap Christy the McNichol, I think she almost got eliminated one time. We love Christy she McNichol it, here yeah. at the PCPS. We did a whole podcast episode on Christy, so if you know her in real life, we adore her. <laughs> um, but anyway, if I you know her. her in real life, put a good word in for us. Okay. No, I will. Um, she, she, she kicked every everyone's ass on that show. Every, she, every she's woman, so good. she's athlete yeah. of all athletes. Yeah. She kicked my ass on the obstacle course. Okay, back to our very special interview. Oh, yes. um, I forgot about Dynamite that. would like to know, Dynamite says, do you date and do you have a curfew? How old was I? 17. <laughs> do you date? I believe, yes, I do at that time. I date, but I did have a curfew. This was Splendor in the Grass. That was the cover of the magazine. Oh, uh, that's what, what the did picture I, okay, is. Wait a minute. Do you just have to tell me what I said? Because I'll tell you. The okay, truth. I'm going to tell you. It's super funny. <laughs> it's a good one. Yes, I date a variety of people. <laughs> usually, right? usually people? I have to be in. Yes, people. Mm-hmm. A I date a variety of people. <laughs> yeah, not Look boys. at me. Um, <laughs> just uh, fluid way back when. <laughs> I'm oh, not choosy. Um, usually I have to be in by midnight, but I always get in before then. I don't want my mother to worry. We go to movies, to dinner, to whatever's happening around town. A carnival, a fair, parties, things like that. Okay. First of all, um, if you read, you read my book, so you Mm -hmm. read 
the the little bit I wrote about things that I can do, and then there's a, the things yes. my mother said I could do. Right. Yeah, really. oh, yes. One of the things yes. she said I could do was uh, the bend the screen on the window, <gasps> climbing right. out the window to go out at night. And she had no idea. So that's a lie. But I told her because I was sneaking out at night and hanging out with my friends at the roller disco, and and I was dating Rob Lowe at that time. So dang, that's right. That's to right. To be able there to is, say those words is just so funny. By the way, can I just thank you for? Can I just thank you really quickly for the the amount of uh, pages, the amount of real estate you gave to your um, relationship with Rob Lowe in Prairie Tale. Because <laughs> as someone who was growing up at the time, and I'm not saying for for good, for bad, whatever, because you're very honest about it. And I really appreciated that. But as when I read that book, like two years ago or whatever, I read it later. I was really thankful that you like actually a lot of people shy away from that kind of stuff or they're like, oh, I, I shouldn't talk about that or whatever. And you were really honest about it. And as someone who was a huge fan of both of yours and when you guys were a couple, thought that was the coolest thing ever because, oh my God, Laura Ingalls is dating Rob Lowe. <laughs> so I, I really appreciated that you did that. So thanks for that. Well, thanks for that. It was important, like, you know, to, at, in my lifetime, it was a big, important six years. Of course. The of first course. relationship in my life. So if I was going to write that book, I had to tell that right, story. Right, of course. And yeah. I had to tell it. And I sent it to him before we oh. published the book. And I said, anything objectionable, Oh, let me know. That was really lovely Oh, and he you. let it fly. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Carolyn, did you have something to oh, add? I was just going to say, I just have this image of maybe you and Rob at the roller skating disco. Or, you know, you were just saying you go roller skating. I thought, can you just imagine you guys, like, holding hands? Did you roll? <laughs> my <coast>? best fantasy. <laughs> I don't know if I went roller discoing okay. with him so much as I went with my girlfriends. Mm. Okay. We didn't. We went out a lot, but we also we stayed in quite a bit. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, leave this it is the information I'm here for, <laughs> Melissa. Right. Laura I actually Ingles said stays they home. basically warned me to not ask you. So thank you. You just gave me. You just gave it to me without asking. Thank well, you. yeah, because yeah, and I'm so a piece what? of my pie. Right. <laughs> Okay. We, okay, um, here's, yeah, we were 17 years old. What I do you know. think we were doing? Playing yeah. tiddlywinks? No. I know. I know. Well, well sort of. I mean, if that's what you <laughs> yeah, want to call it, sure. Whatever you call it. That's right. Whatever that's you call it. Whatever yeah. you call it. It was more like yeah. Twister, but that's <laughs> And that's the cold open right there. That's the cold <laughs> open. Okay. Do we have one final question from Dynamite? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. One, and this is, I really want to ask this one because I want to compare it to... Your husband. I was going to say your current husband. That implies it's like impermanent. No, your husband. Okay. Yes. Dynamite says, what kinds of boys do you like, Melissa? What would you have said at 17? I probably would have said, see, there's a difference between what I was attracted to at 17 and what I said I liked. What I said, probably sure. said I liked mm -hmm. was a boy who did really well in school and who <laughs> loves his mom and is, uh, really, you know, drives safely and um, <laughs> and is really smart and has ambition and wants to do something with his life. What I Doesn't basically drink. Was, all yeah. I want is a boy who's a fox. Mm -hmm. Likes <laughs> to play like Twister. Is he foxy? He likes to play good twister. hair. Um, does he like to play Twister? Yeah. Um, and then now if you asked me, it would be um, someone who's the first person I want to see in the morning and the last person I want to see at night. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and what you said about what you would have said is exactly what you said. I mean, right down to smart. Uh, oh, the boys I date get straight A's in school. I mean, you literally <laughs> said that. <laughs> so well, anyone who gets a B graduate from school. <laughs> <laughs> the boys I date get straight A's in yeah. school. If uh-huh. you think you can, you have a chance, and you make B's, you're out of luck. <laughs> yeah. Out. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. nope, nope, nope. You're not, nope. You're not taking no. a Hagen Doss with those bees <laughs> <laughs> to church, <laughs> right? That's right. We're not going to drive in your very safe car. Right. Right. <laughs> okay, I have one final question for you, Melissa. Yes. What would seventeen-year-old Melissa Gilbert think of fifty-eight-year-old Melissa Gilbert? Ah. Uh. So <laughs> my first thought was 17-year-old Melissa Gilbert would probably think, I really want to make a movie with her. Oh, oh that's amazing. Oh, she would be really fun to work with. She's so cool. That's I, awesome. There I you go. That. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Cool. I feel like we I feel I feel like we've made a friend in you and um I feel like you're one of us. And thank you so much. Just Thank you for sharing your incredible story and for taking the time to speak with us and just for supporting the Pop Culture Preservation Society. That means the world to us. Um, we felt connected to Laura when we were children, and now we feel especially connected to Melissa. So thank you so much for that. Oh, you guys are the best. This was so much fun. And I will come it back was. anytime. I keep, you know, I, I, I stalk you on Instagram. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today on what is truly the pinnacle of our careers as Gen X podcasters. Melissa Gilbert's book, Back to the Prairie, A Home Remade, A Life Rediscovered, is available now wherever you buy your books. And if you can, consider buying from an independent bookstore so the money stays in your community. Whenever you read a book you love, you can help that author by leaving a positive review on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Goodreads.com, because readers trust other readers. Thanks for sharing this experience with us today. And in Melissa's honor, let's all go looking for our inner half pint. She's probably a lot closer than you think. See you next time. Yes, join us next week, and hopefully our next episode will help you find your inner half pint. There are lots of missing half pints out there, um, it sounds like. Uh, Thanks so much to everyone for supporting us by sharing our podcast with others and by clicking those stars and writing a nice review. That is the best way you can help us out if you like our conversations and our great social media society. And we'd like to give a very special thank you to our supporters on Patreon for quite literally helping this podcast keep on trucking. Today, we are giving a special shout out to patrons Connie, Stephen, Cheryl, Christina, Linda, Jill, and Mark. Thank you so much. We hope you're enjoying all the fun content over on our Patreon page. And if you want to check it out, just go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and type our name in the search bubble. Or click the links on our Instagram page or on our website at poppreservationists.com. And if you're not able to join at this time, we understand and hope you know that we appreciate your listening ears and your sharing every single day. 
In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of our pals in Santa Monica, Jack Tripper, Janet Wood, and Chrissy Snow. Two good times. Two happy days. Two little house on the prairie. <laughs> Cheers. The information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to Carolyn, the Crushologist, and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, there is always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. Spread a little love and it will keep moving on.